This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. Shavua Tov and welcome to all the listeners out there. I hope you are all well and uh, starting the week off with a vroom, with the ready to go and uh, elevate God's world again for another week. We here on High FM, we are doing mystical texts. We are looking at the five books of Moses, particularly the book of Genesis and particularly the Pasha of Noah, the story of Noah, which we are almost completing. And today we've got a fascinating uh, discussion, and that is the discussion about the rainbow, you know. The rainbow is something that I think today we still look at just as a scientific manifestation of the refraction of light. But when we actually go back into the text of Torah, when we go back and look in Genesis, we actually see a tremendous amount of of, um, information and teaching about it. And today I'd like to actually share that with you as a springboard, though. I'm going to go through the verses because they're actually quite substantial um, in what God says about this rainbow. So we could just actually have a base from which we can glean the teaching. So anybody who has a, um, a the book of Genesis, has the five books of Moses in front of them, books of book Genesis. We're on chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 8 to 17, and I'm going to just read it in the Hebrew, translate in the English, as I said, pretty lengthy. But it all has to pertain with this sign um, that God gives Noah. Just as a recall, we discussed last week that Noah actually had to receive five um, different promises that, uh, to him that would actually encourage him to come out of the ark and to rebuild. Understand that Noah came out of the ark pretty vulnerable um, and scared. Um, that he now had the entire world literally on his shoulders. It was up to him and his sons to rebuild. And um, <clears throat> he had to really, really be um, encouraged by God through a list of promises that, A, he wouldn't be eaten by the animals, that there would be substantial food. God gave him, him the dispensation of eating meat that he would never destroy the world again, that they would be fruitful and they would multiply and that, you know, they would uh, swarm, so to speak. They'll fill up the land, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, all of those were promises of encouragement um, that, that, were have, that, that were given to Noah in order to allow him to face the world. And here we have the final one, and let's look into the text and let's see what it says. God says to Noah and to his sons, I myself are going to be making a pact with you, with your offsprings after you. And I'm also going to be making this pact with every living creature that is with you, including the birds, the domestic animals, and all the wild beasts of the earth with you. It actually, all those that left the ark, including every animal on earth. So from here we see that God is giving this message to absolutely Every living 
creature that survived the flood, this this promise, this pact, um, is applicable to all of them. Vehakimoiti et briti et chem, I have made this pact with you. Velo yikaret kobasar od What is the pact? That all flesh will never again be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again will there be a flood that will destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the pact that I'm providing. It's a sign between myself between you and between every living creature that is with you for everlasting generations. That means forever and ever. Et kashti natati be'anan, I have placed a rainbow in the clouds. Vahaita lo'ot brits, and it will be a sign of this covenant, Beni. Between, between me, Uvein Haaretz, and between the earth. Vehaya, and it will be at a time. Ba'anani Anan al Haaretz, Venir Atta Hakeshet Ba'anan. When I bring clouds over the earth, the rainbow will be seen in the clouds. Vezacharti et Briti, Asher Beni, Ubenehim, Ubein Kol Nefesh Chaya, Bechol Basar, I will then recall, I will then remember my pact, my covenant that is between me, between you, and between every living soul in all flesh, that water will never again come as a flood to destroy all flesh. Vayomer Elokim al Noach, and God, God says to Noach, Zot ot mabrit asher hakimoti beni ubein kobasar asher al haaretz. I'm sorry, I left out one verse. Vahaita hakeshet be'anan, the rainbow will be in the clouds. And I will recall my eternal pact between God and between every living soul for all the flesh which is on the earth. And then God says to Noah, this is the sign of the pact that I'm making between myself and between all flesh that is on the earth. So you can see here from the repetition, not once, but many, many times, <clears throat> that God is emphasizing over and over again that this wasn't just a promise to Noah. So we can't come and say, well, this was a promise to Noah and it, it doesn't apply to us, um, or that this was a promise to the animals and it doesn't apply to us, or anything like that. This is a promise to Noah, to his sons, to all his descendants, to all the animals, to absolutely everything that survived, that moving forward, there will be absolutely categorically no flood that will, and listen to this, destroy the entire 
earth because I'm sure in some of your minds you're already popping up, but we've seen the destruction of water. We've seen the hurricanes. We've seen the tsunamis. We've seen how powerful water is in destruction. Um, this is not a promise that God will never use water in destruction. This is a promise that the entire world will not be wiped out by water ever again. It is an internal promise until the end of time on this planet. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. In these challenging times, many people are under pressure, and for some, it can all become too much. Who does one turn to? Well, Chai FM will be starting a helpline later this year, and we are looking for compassionate, caring volunteers to train as call center counselors. If you have a background or an interest in counseling and you want to find out more, then email helpline at chaifm.com. Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of serving the community. Well, welcome back, and we are going to have quite an interesting discussion now about the rainbow. I don't know how many of you find it quite fascinating. I think it still um, engenders um, a sense of excitement when you have that thunderstorm and then afterwards the, the sky has been lit up or is um, adorned by this beautiful rainbow. We are going to understand now from a Torah perspective what the rainbow is all about. And I know I'm talking from Johannesburg, South Africa, and certainly over here, <clears throat> particularly in the summer, we, you know, we, we get a lot of thunderstorms and then, you know, um, there's the crashing and the lightning, the noise, the rain, and half an hour later everything dissipates, the sun comes out again, and we are um, able to see this magnificent Phenomena. What are, what are the lessons behind this rainbow? And, you know, what, what are the opinions that the Torah brings about? Because you can see just from the verses I read before the break, um, God is very, very, um, explicit in his discussion. And, um, there's obviously much can be said and can be learned from this idea. So the first thing that we are taught is that when a rainbow appears in the sky, it is considered a sign that we have sinned, but that God has remembered his covenant. So one of the things that the rabbis have mandated is that when we see a rainbow, it's appropriate to thank God for not making another flood. So the first thing I'm not sure that everybody is aware of, when we look and we see a rainbow, there actually is a blessing that must be recited. Now, when you look at the verse, at, at the blessing, um, as a little bit of a precursor, the sages of the Talmud disagreed about the blessing um, that should be said. There is one opinion um, that says that we should say, Blessed you, Hashem. Zocher Habrit, remember the covenant that we are blessing God that there, there, there's, there's that rainbow. God remembered his covenant, this promise, this pact that he made with Noah and his sons. Another opinion, um, says we should say, blessed you are Shem who is faithful to his promise and stands by his word. 
because it's not only that he should remember the covenant, but the very fact that God kept his promise, because right now, if we are looking at a rainbow, we're looking at because the sun has come out. Okay, By definition, you cannot get the sun um you cannot get a rainbow if there's no sun and there's no refraction of light. So um, another opinion was that we should say that God was faithful to his promise and that he keeps his word. Well, believe it or not, um, there wasn't really too much argument. Both Both of those ideas are, in fact, correct. And the final decision actually takes these two opinions and puts it into one blessing. So the blessing is as follows. Baruch atah Hashem. Blessed are you, Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, our God, King of this universe. And then we say both opinions. Zocher HaBrit, who recalls or who remembers the Brit, the covenant. Vene'eman Bivrito, and he is faithful in his promise. Vekayam B'Ma'amaro, and he and he keeps his word. So there we've got it. Every time that you see a rainbow, you're obligated to make this blessing. This blessing can be found in this any any sidur, and it's great to to actually try learn it off by heart because many times we land up catching um, ourselves either driving or walking out or doing something, and we don't necessarily always have. Uh, a sidur available, so it's it's good to try keep it in a place where you could whip it out. But it, it's an easy blessing to remember as well. Again, zocher habrit v'neman bivrito v'kayam b'mamaro. It's basically six words that um, we can remember. Now, one of the things that we are told is that we're not allowed to gaze at the rainbow. Um, we must look at it briefly when the blessing is said. We shouldn't be staring at it. We'll get back to it, but that is the halakha of um, seeing a rainbow in the sky. By the way, if you have any questions or you have any comments um, about what we're talking about today, please feel free. Our WhatsApp number is 061-895-1019. The SMS number is 34519. Right. Since we said that the rainbow is a sign that mankind is sinning and that um, God is actually saying you are sinning, but I'm remembering my covenant, I'm not destroying you, then from that we derive that if a generation if there are people that never see a rainbow um, in their lifetimes, that means that that generation um, is on an especially high level of spirituality and righteous conduct. They, they're, they're, they've got something about their generation that actually shows a huge schut, a huge, um, a, a, a huge meritori- uh, meritorious standing. Now, the Midrash actually comes and tells us that there were several generations in which there were righteous people and that no rainbow was ever seen in their lifetimes. The examples that the Midrash give are that there was the generation of King Cheskiyahu. He was a righteous king and nobody saw a um, rainbow in that generation Also in the era Of Anshay Knesset HaGadola The men of the great assembly 
that the men of the great assembly means this was the Sanhedrin. This was the, the, the ecclesiastical court. Today we know them as the Beth Din, but on a much, much bigger level, it was basically the high court of Israel. There were 71 members. They were all righteous members. And because of their righteousness, um, they, they never saw a, uh, rainbow in their lifetime. Of course, famously, the generation of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, we just celebrated the festival of Lagba Omer, which uh, celebrated the passing of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Um, he was an incredible tzaddik. He was an incredible righteous guy. He hid away from the Romans in a cave for numerous years, um, and he wrote the basis <clears throat> of uh, the Zohar, and it says if in his generation nobody saw the 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 rainbow because he maintained the righteousness of the generation solely on his on his uh, shoulders interestingly um on lagba omer we have the custom of going out into the fields and shooting bows and arrows um the one practical reason was that in the time of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, because Torah, um, Torah learning was forbidden, um, the children would pretend to go out into the fields and play games. Um, but in fact, they were really um, uh, uh, times when they came together to learn Torah. But if the Romans were around, they were playing games and shooting bows and arrows. But there is an interplay with the fact that an, uh, a bow um, is called a keshet in Hebrew, and it is the same word as rainbow. So there is that interplay that that too, um, because Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was holding his whole generation on his shoulders, um, they never saw the keshet, they never saw the rainbow um, in that time. So there is a bit of an interplay over there as to... As, uh, 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 as an interplay on the words. Finally, the Midrash says that the generation of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, another Talmudic scholar, um, he never, they never saw a rainbow in the heavens. And um, the Talmud actually goes on and tells a very, very interesting idea that there was a meeting between Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. So he was one of the righteous guys. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, they actually had this meeting in Gan Eden. They had it up in heaven. And uh, Rabbi Shimon said, asked Rabbi Yehoshua if the rainbow was ever seen in his lifetime. Rabbi Yehoshua was modest. He wanted to hide his greatness. And he said, yes, we saw the rainbow in my lifetime. To which Rabbi Shimon replied, then you are not Yehoshua ben Levi. You're lying. It's not true because it's known that, uh, you know, in your generation too, nobody saw the, the rainbow. So this is a, a very, very interesting discussion that we see in the Talmud about the fact that if a generation does not see the rainbow, that means that they are righteous. If we do see the rainbow, then that means it is a sign that we are not meritorious, that we are in fact sinning, and that God is just coming to remind us that he has a pact with us that he will not destroy this world. So a question has just come in 
um, which is going to be answered, but I will read out the question. I didn't get your name over here, but one of the listeners asked, why did Hashem choose to make the rainbow colorful and beautiful in the eyes of man if it's meant to remind us of sin? An excellent, excellent question. And um, I'm going to hope to answer this because it is an enigma. It is something that um, does draw us. It's very hard to draw your, your, your eyes away from the beauty. Um, why has it got such a negative connotation? Now, let's understand a little bit more about the origins of, of, of the rainbow and understand what is going on. Because, firstly, a rainbow, as we know, is a natural phenomenon. It has a simple scientific explanation. It is the fact that there are clear droplets of water that reflect and refract the light that is passing through it. So if anybody knows physics 101, if you take white light and you allow it to, to travel through a prism, what will happen is that the light travels through, it slows down, and this white light actually gets divided up into the various colors. Now, we can say, we can argue two things. Firstly, um, if it is a simple scientific explanation, if it is just a natural phenomenon then we can assume that the mechanics of rainbows came into being during the six days of creation. There were raindrops then. There was sunlight then. So by definition, <laughs> a rainbow will appear. Okay. The question that we need to ask is what exactly happened after the flood that suddenly God says, no, the rainbow now will be a sign of the covenant that he has established between Noah and his sons. Like, what happened there? Because this was obviously part of creation. So there are many, many opinions, and I'd like to actually walk you through them to give you a bit of an appreciation of how we learn Torah. When we learn Torah, we don't just look at the black and white, at the verses that are in the Bible, and just say, okay, well, that's what it says, and that's what in uh, that's that's the end. Torah is a very, very complex discussion, and it has many, many layers. It has, it has what we call pshat, which is the simple explanation. We have the midrashic explanation. We have the homiletical explanation. We have the mystical explanation. We have many, many rabbis weighing in on the discussion, and that is why Torah is so beautiful because we can learn it again and again and again and every time we learn it we're learning something more so I'd like to share with you listeners out there some of the ideas of why all of a sudden this rainbow becomes a phenomenon when really it wa it belonged in the six days of creation and um you know, God only uses it 10 generations later, 1,656 years later, as a covenant. So the first um, commentator is um, Nachmanides, and he posits that the rainbow existed long before the flood, but after the flood, God decided to make it a sign that mankind was sinning. So, yes, it did. Nobody's arguing that it didn't exist before the flood, but it had no use other than when God chose now to use it as a sign 
um, that mankind, mankind, mankind was sinning. That's one opinion. He says that's just as simple as that. Let's not uh, make it any, any more complicated. It's something that existed. Um, it didn't have a purpose until God decided to use that as the sign of the covenant. <coughs> Excuse me. R- uh, Rabbi Abraham Ibn Ezra, we know it as the Ibn Ezra, and another commentator called the Abar Benel, say that with the flood, what actually happened is that the world underwent uh, physical changes, and that allowed the rainbow to be visible. That, yes, the rainbow was there, the phenomenon that it could happen was there, but the world physically was not um, a vessel through which this type of thing could happen. So according to the Ibn Ezra, he said the the rainbow only came into being or became a pact with God and Noah because sunlight became stronger. And when the sunlight became stronger after the flood, that's when we could see the phenomenon of the rainbow. According to the Abar Benel, um, the Abar Benel holds that the atmosphere became thinner. So one says the sun became stronger. The other says that the the atmosphere became thinner. Now, this is all based on the fact that we are told um, another interesting idea about Noah that we mentioned, but I'm going to mention it again because it has bearing, I guess, on on the the discussion here. Before the flood, the world was like set perfectly. We are told that the world was on a on 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 a on a vertical axis, and because it was like that. Um, the the point of the equator was the closest to the sun, and there were no seasons. There were there was there was no winter, spring, autumn, summer. Um, there wasn't any of the changes that we understand of the world today. What and 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 from that, the the people lived a perfect life. It was the perfect weather. The crops grew unbelievably well. It said that somebody used to plant a seed and that seed would like make enough food for 40 years. People lived a very, very, very long time. So things were absolutely perfect. When, when, um, they went through the flood, it said that the world's access tipped. Okay. We actually tipped a couple of degrees as we know it today. And there are many, many, um, Scientists out there that are actually talking about the fact that we are tipping in our access every single year, and that is the reason for some of the crazy phenomena that we see today. But when the world tipped, we we had the introduction of winter, spring, summer, autumn. We had now the different seasons, and so this falls in line with the Ibn Ezra and the Abar Banel that now tell us that the atmosphere became thinner, the sunlight became stronger. All of this was from the atmospheric changes that happened with the world tilting. And with that, then we landed up seeing the phenomena of the the rainbow, whereas in the six days of creation, that wasn't an issue because there was there was no no um, uh, diverse things happening, things not falling off of any part of the axis that would make that this phenomena come about. This phenomena is here because we tipped the axis and now we have um, st- strange things or different things happening.
IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. To Coffee Addicts, I'm Adila, but you know me as Shmuel from Jody Blue. Are you hungry? I know we are to serve you. All our grab and go is made daily from the best quality fresh ingredients for you to enjoy. Josie Blue is very focused on giving you the continuous coffee experience at 17 Northfield Avenue, Glen Hazel. See you there. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. And as we go about unpacking the mystical text, we are coming close to the mystical idea behind behind uh, the the rainbow. But before that, I just want to um, bring out one more opinion that's from the Kli Yakar um, that has another explanation. He says the rainbow was always visible. In righteous generations, there was less sin, so the populace was confident that nothing would happen to them, and they didn't bother to look at the rainbow and worry about it being a harbinger of evil. So it was there. Even in the time of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, in the time of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, in the time of the Anshaykhanesis Agadola, but nobody bothered looking at it because they knew that they were far more righteous. They didn't have to worry if God, if God was going to God forbid, um, destroy the world. So that was that. Now that we've understood a little bit more about the I wouldn't say the practicalities, but this phenomenon called the rainbow. Um, we now need to go and understand it on a much, much deeper level. Now, um, one of the interesting things about this rainbow is that while we do explain it from a simple scientific explanation, if one looks into Pirkei Avot, the ethics of our fathers, Towards the end of Pirkei I think it's in chapter 5 or 6, there is a Mishnah that says that there were 10 things that God created, um, Bain Hashmashot. Now, Bain Hashmashot, um, I guess loosely translated um, in, for us in understanding, we would call it the twilight zone. What does Bain Hashmashot mean? Is that one knows if one has and I'm sure many, many of you have, out there have done this numerous, numerous times. When you sit and you watch a sunset, a beautiful sunset, um, you're sitting by the beach, you're sitting on the bench, and you're watching the sun go down. You'll watch it um, as it goes closer and closer to the horizon, and then there'll be a point where the sun is no longer visible. It has dipped down beyond the horizon. However, if you look up at the sky, the sky is still light. It will take another 20 minutes approximately for it, for night to, for, uh, to, to follow completely where you will then see the stars in the sky. That period of time in, 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 in Judaism is called Bain Hashmashot between the suns from the Shemesh, between the two suns, between the light of the sun and the light of the moon. Ben Hashmashot has an incredible an, an, uh, halachic status in Torah, and it actually controls quite a lot of stuff that we do. Just as an example, just off the topic, but nevertheless interesting, um, it governs the way we keep Shabbat, the way that we honor Shabbat. We know that if you look at a calendar and you want to see what time does Shabbat start, you will see on the calendar the time. 
But that will not represent sunset. It will represent 18 minutes before the sunset. And the reason why we are doing that is because this Benashmashot period is a very, very difficult one to pinpoint exactly. Our, our world doesn't work with a light switch, meaning that, you know, boom, we have light. Flip the switch, boom, we have darkness. There is a transition. So our rabbis mandated that we should bring in Shabbat 18 minutes before actual sunset because we don't know where sunset is exactly and when Shabbat will begin. So to be careful, we start 18 minutes before. The same thing applies after Shabbat. We're not sure when Shabbat finishes and Sunday comes into uh, into being And so we're extra careful On the other side And we don't finish Shabbat at sunset We actually wait that Benashmashot period Until there are three stars in the sky And we know that Shabbat is finished That was just a little bit of a Like precursor on, on the one side Let's go now into the fact That the Mishnah says That um during this twilight period, ten phenomena were created, um, and one of them happens to be the rainbow, which comes to tell us now that this rainbow, albeit that it is a scientific explanation, actually has a very, very mystical thing to it, because anything that was created has both the material and the spiritual. It is like a twilight zone. It's neither completely Light, not completely dark. It's not completely spiritual. It's not completely physical. It is a mixture of the both. So our mystical um, sages, particularly, um, I'm going to focus on one teaching, and that is of the Lubavitcher Rebbe of Blessed Memory. He explains the following, and this is more of the mystical side of the rainbow, that even though the flood brought destruction, there was an aspect of blessing. So now you can start seeing that we're, we're, we're understanding this nature of the rainbow, that it wasn't completely physical and not completely spiritual. It was a mixture of the two. Here we've got a mixture that even though the flood brought destruction to the world, there was an aspect of blessing. What was this blessing? Because what happened during the flood is that the flood purified the world and the mandate of Noah when he came out was to refine the material. And the Rebbe goes on to explain that the clouds which formed the mist that rises from the ground represents the transformation of the material into something ethereal, into something spiritual. Now, after the flood, the clouds became thinner, which allows obviously the rainbows to form. And that gave, that symbolized the ability for the human, for, for, for human endeavor to purify the physical world. Because that's really, really what happened. The world flooded, but afterwards God gave the mandate to Adam saying, I'm not going to destroy the world again, but now you're going to be involved in the material and your job is to elevate it and bring out the spiritual. That, by the way, was one of the reasons why we now had the dispensation to allow us to eat meat, because now we have to get involved in every aspect of physicality and find the spirituality in it. 
This explains really a lot of many, many of the mitzvot that we have. As Jews, we don't sit in an airy-fairy situation where we are hypothesizing, where we're sitting in the realm of theory, we're waiting for feelings. Lots of Torah has to do with the idea of taking something physical and elevating. Tfilin, mezuzah, kashrut, lulav and etrog, matzah. We take physical things and we use that to elevate the world. So the Rebbe comes and says that that really is that phenomenon that the this um, rainbow was created in that twilight zone because this rainbow comes to give a much much deeper um, reason to 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 the Jewish people, and that is is that behind every cloud there is a silver lining behind the flood that was destructive there is something positive and that really answers the question why it is so beautiful but and it's reminding us that that we're sinning because it comes to teach us that yes we're in a bad place we're not connecting to god but our job is if we want to reverse things is to look and find the beauty in this world and look at the positivity that there is in this world. So it's holding both. There's one more lesson that we need to learn and we're going to do that right after this break. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. And we're going to wrap it up with a lesson um, that we see um, from the from the rainbow. And this is that there are actually two aspects to the rainbow for us to, to, to see the rainbow, to, to, to look at it. Number one, we need clear water droplets, um, that are, have the ability to reflect and refract the light. If the water is not clear, then, um, things are opaque, things are dark, we cannot see the rainbow. The second aspect is that we need to be standing in the right place in order to see the rainbow. So based on everything that we have said, the lesson of the rainbow is that we, number one, have to bring ourselves to a point where we um, behave and we view the world with clear eyes, with a clear Conscience with a clear soul, with a clear viewpoint, because in order for us to find the godliness, the spirituality in this world, we need to be clear. What does it mean to be clear? Well, let me tell you what it means not to be clear. To be opaque means to be egotistical, to be self-centered, to be thick um, in one's own world that one has an inability to see another, to see Beyond. So we need that, that idea in our world in order to make it a, a, an incredible world. And we need to stand in the right place, meaning we need to see the right perspective. We need to, um, look at things and look through them to actually understand them in its entirety. And what, what way and in how, what, what uh, tool do we use? We use the words of Torah because when we look at anything in this world, we can argue and we can um, explain anything away um, and everything will be subjective. 
The only objective way of looking at this world is to have something higher than ourselves telling us what the real reality is. Um, and this is really what the rainbow is teaching us, is that this world is colorful. It is made up of so many aspects. You can choose to be opaque. You can look at things at black and white, and you can be stuck Okay, um, in not actually understanding that there is a much greater perspective to this world, or you can clear your judgments, your subjective attitudes towards things, open yourself up as a clear droplet and see beyond that um, and see the colorfulness about it. Finally, one last thing is the rainbow also signifies divine revelation because we have in Yechezkel, Ezekiel, he describes a vision in which he sees the divine presence and, quote, he says, it's like a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day with a corona around it. This is how the glory of God appears. And I saw it and I fell on my face and I heard a voice speaking. So there is the opinion, and this explains why when we see a rainbow, we should Look at it, say the blessing, and then look away because it's not proper to stare at the rainbow because it represents the beauty of the divine presence and the glory of Hashem. The only time you look at the rainbow is when you are making that blessing. So hopefully, dear listener out there that uh, SMS in, um, I hope I've explained why Hashem chose to make the rainbow colorful in the eyes of man, because it's a lesson not only to remind us that we're sinning, not only to look at the negativity, but to tell us about the beauty of the world and that which we need to capture, the diversity of the world, the intricacy of this world. And the only way we can do that is divest ourselves of our black and white attitude, of our opaqueness, of our thickness in our egotistical um, manner, and look at the world in a beautiful way. Um, Hopefully what I've taught you today gives you a greater understanding of what the rainbow is all about. And um, we pray, please God, and the Zohar tells us that before Mashiach comes, an especially bright and colorful rainbow will appear. May we merit seeing it soon and in our lifetimes have a fabulous week.